what we came for, loved those testimonies. Well, I sure am grateful for the turnout. We've got this many people who want to become skilled prayers. Uh, i got a really great outline that we designed, but the Holy Ghost has talked to me quite a bit today, so uh, I do hope we get to the outline. But the main thing is, man, it's all about the Holy Spirit talking to us. And so last night, we had, we had a really long day yesterday, really long day. Didn't get back home till 1030 last night. And so we were kind of just, whew, wanted to go to sleep. But boy, at 11.30, the Lord gave me something, so I got up and wrote it down. So I'm going to start off with that, and then he gave me more tonight while we're here. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. And on Sunday nights right now, we're going to be teaching and imparting about prayer. And... Uh, I think, I think there's a lot more to it than a lot of you have thought. You know, there's, how, how many know that uh, the Lord has more than you could ever imagine He wants you to get? Yeah, I'll tell that first, Lord, then we'll get to this. Uh, Friday night, uh, I, had, I had a night vision, and it was really good. This is something that was, I believe it was for the church. It's for me, but it's for the church, and it was so good. I, uh, what a night vision is, is real simply, uh, how many here have ever had dreams? How many have ever had a God dream? That's a night vision. When you're sleeping and right before you wake up, you'll have a dream that seems really real, says something to you. And as soon as you wake up, you immediately know what it meant. You don't ponder. You don't think. And let me tell you something. If you ever have a dream and you think it's a God dream and you're confused trying to figure it out, it's not a God dream, then just forget it. Because when you have a night vision, a dream from God, you immediately know you don't have to call somebody. What can this mean? You don't have to try to figure it out or ponder it or make it say something. But God talks to you and you know it's God. And it's usually really simple. It's not complicated, not deep. But this dream, right before I woke up on early Saturday morning, uh, this person walked up to me and had this little plastic box tray type thing full of keys. It says, sit those fit anything. And I said, Okay. And so I looked up, and there's looked like a cabinet door going across to put the doors. So I got these keys up, taking them out, and the first six didn't fit anything. And so did, all of a sudden, that after that, every key I pulled out, opened the door, opened the door, opened the door, opened the door. I thought that's pretty cool. That's a strange thing. I got all these doors I couldn't open them before; they were all locked, and now all these keys are opening every door. And then after that, then all of a sudden, I saw these this little box in front of me, shaped like a cross. And uh, had a lock on it. And so I stuck in that cross and opened it up, and the box opened. Well, there's another one behind it. And so anyway, I just opened it. Then I woke up. And so I woke up and thought, wow, God's telling me that he's given me the keys for where we are now for the church. And there's doors we couldn't open before. We're going to open them now. Amen. And I saw some things there. And anyway, what, what I'm saying is I believe for our church, for all of us, you know, uh, I, I like what Elise said a while ago out of her mouth. And out of your mouth you have what you say Jesus said we would. You need to quit saying what God can't do in your life. You need to quit saying what you can't do in your life. You know, just because it didn't work before doesn't mean it won't work now. There's different seasons of life. And in different seasons, different things work. I think about Luke chapter 5. When, when the fishermen were fishing all night, and then you said, go out and fish again. And Peter said, well, we did this all night last night, and it didn't work. 
But he said, because you said so, Jesus, at your word, I'll do it again. He went out and they got a lot of fish. And so anyway, that's, that, that's for you. This, this, this Sunday night is really, really going to become a Holy Ghost flow to where the Holy Ghost can be able to do things, not constrained, because we're, going to, we're not going to let time stop us. I really, when we began Delphi a couple months ago to do this series, I couldn't see, because I knew what he wanted to do, I couldn't see how I could do it on a Sunday morning, because I knew on Sunday morning we got so many different variations of people in here that want to get out of here by quarter till 12, that thought, how could God do anything, because they want to leave. And so that's why we shifted to Sunday night, so praise the Lord for that. Amen? Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, now look at this, and the communion of the Holy Ghost. The communion of the Holy Ghost. Be with you all. Amen. Does anybody have a center column that's got a word for that communion? New Living Translation probably says what the word is. Can anybody say another word for that? What is it? Fellowship. Fellowship with who? The Holy Ghost. The fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Well, when the Lord gave that to me years and years and years ago concerning prayer, one translation says the friendship of the Holy Ghost. Another one says the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with you all. And so at 1130 last night, I was laying there going to sleep. And then I was thinking about the conversation I just had with the Holy Ghost when I got to lay down in bed about 11 o'clock about the conversation I had with him. And so I wrote this down. Fellowship with the Holy Ghost is one way to pray. Just have a conversation with God. Share your heart. And that's what fellowship is, a heart-to-heart. That's what he said, it's the will of God for you to fellowship with the Holy Ghost. Because I fellowship with the Holy Ghost, that's why I said some of the things I just got through saying. But also, uh, this is strange. That's not strange. But sometimes things become strange to me when the Holy Ghost begins to move in my life. We're up here worshiping God to men to go... Josh and the team's up there worshiping. Also, the Holy Ghost says, start calling Sunday night prayer school. So you're in prayer school. You're in prayer school. Sunday night's prayer school. And that probably means we'll back off on testimonies a little bit because we've got to have time to get to the class, to the textbook. You know, uh, if you're taking a college course, you need to use the textbook for the course. The only textbook I know for the course is called the Bible. Because the one that wrote the Bible is the one that's uh, come up with prayer. And so we did use his textbook. But also, uh, did I go that direction, Lord? Okay, oh, I'll tell this. We're in a season right now, this church just shifted in the spirit. I, I don't like to say it like that because I want to sound spooky, but I had a mini vision while we were praying before prayer. And maybe I'll go that direction and hold on to your outlines. Maybe next week we don't get to it. Okay, as we were praying tonight, how, how many were here praying tonight? Several of you were. Well, I wanted to walk up on the platform and pray. I don't usually do that. So I was walking up there just kind of praying, just thanking the Lord for the spirit of prayer in the church. And as I was walking back and forth, I saw several different ones of you come walking through the doors, people walking around. And all of a sudden, I was back about 16 or 17 years old in Greenwood, Indiana. That's what I was. I was a young beginning driver. And I walked into the Sears Automotive Center. You know, I don't know if Sears has automotive centers now. Walked to the Sears Automotive Center. And when I walked in there, as a 16-year-old kid, knew it all this kind of thing, 
I was brand new at that world. I walked in there. I was amazed and fascinated by the different areas of skilled mechanics in there. They had guys over here worked on carburetors. They had a station over here was on windshield wipers and oil changes and stuff like that, lube jobs. Then they had over here the transmission people. And then they had over here the, uh, the tune-up people. And all kinds of, every one of these people had an area they were skilled in. And I was, but I was seeing that, and I was seeing you guys coming in here, and then I saw skilled prayers in different areas. And what I learned in pastoring back in Indiana was this. There's people in this church that are like the people in the church in Indiana. They're like any church anywhere around the world that God has. How many know that God's the one that made every one of us, but he made us different? We have different desires. And what I've seen happen in church congregations and among pastors that don't understand God. Everybody thinks that aren't skilled in the Word of God, that everybody ought to be just like me. You know, have you ever seen a church that all they want to do is have abortion marches and, and uh, help unwed mothers? Well, that's really a good thing to do. If God called you to do that, you've got a passion for that. Have you ever seen some other people then, they say, we don't do enough for the poor. We've got to feed the poor. We've got to go after the poor, the poor, the poor, the poor, the poor, the poor. If you've got a passion for that, that's awesome. You need to do that because God gave you that passion. Then somebody else, well, we've got, to, we've got to pray more for the church. Well, Pastor, we don't pray enough for the church. We've got to pray for the church. Well, if God gave you a passion for that, you need to be praying for the church. But to, just because you're called to do one thing doesn't mean everybody's called to do that. You know, those mechanics, some of them went to carburetion school. That's what they want to do. Then somebody else says, man, all I want to do, I want to change oil. I want to change oil. I think every car ought to have new oil. 3,000 miles, you ought to change oil. And the guy said, well, y'all does no good if your carburetor's blown. And then somebody else said, man, all cars ought to have new wipers. You ought to watch those wipers. Because what good does it do if your carburetor's blown? If you got a new carburetor, you got a new oil change, but you can't stay out the windshield when it rains. And so every area in that shop is important, except people have a different area that they're assigned to. And so, in the church, in this church, God's leading us to a place to raise up skilled prayers that we're going to end up to where on Sunday nights we'll be coming in here around 5 o'clock and we'll be able to divide up into groups and everybody that wants to pray for the unwed mothers is going to meet over here. Find your little area over here. This is your workstation. The people pray for unwed mothers. Don't get concerned that these people up here is praying about the elections, praying for the government, because God put on their heart, they're praying for our government, they're praying for our president, they're praying for our governor, because that's what their skilled area is, is praying for the government. And so don't get mad, because the unwed mothers are covered over here, their children, they're covered right over here. And then over here is the people's praying for the poor, for the homeless out of the streets, they're praying for them over here, they're getting them covered over here on this area. Why do you think God would give us a church with a big building like this and all these different things and seats and people to come in so we can have skilled craftsmen in prayer in all these different areas? Can you hear what I'm saying? And so that's where we're headed to, people coming on Sunday night in prayer school. We're going to train you to pray. We're going to train you to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And when you begin to come into this kind of walk with God, you're going to find out prayer didn't start when you walked into church. Prayer started when you woke up. Prayer was when you was going to sleep. Prayer was when you was on your job. Because what are you doing? You're 2 Corinthians 13, 14. You're fellowshipping with the Holy Ghost all the time. And then, just like as 
I wouldn't expect anything to walk off that stage, look at it, all of a sudden I see that automotive building back in Greenwood, Indiana in about 1966, 1967. All of a sudden I saw those stations there for the first time. And it caught my attention back then because I'd never seen anything like that. But this caught my attention now. When I saw these faces come through the door there and I saw those words, skilled prayer, skilled prayer, skilled prayer. We're enhancing our skills. We're learning how to pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'll tell you what so much I want to say. Do we do that? Thank you, Lord. I'll lay off on that. Okay, let's go with the outline. Now, you can have effective prayer life. We're going to look at some different kinds of prayer tonight. And, you know, we kind of alluded to that, what we're talking about. But I want you to open up to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Does anybody sense the presence of God in here? Amen. I'll tell you what, when you start walking with the Holy Ghost, you know when He's around. Ephesians 6, verse 18 We'll look at this, and uh, as you're turning there, and you know, it's always a good thing to have your textbook, and you know, you know that everything, and you know, I guess this, this will be a warning to people, students that are coming for prayer school, how many know, well, I think about Sass, I'm so proud of our Sass, let's give her a hand again, <laughs> amen, amen, Sass, you belong to us now, that's, that's our little girl. Amen with her boys. But I mean, that's, that's, that's so proud of her. But uh, SAS taking uh, tests in school, finals and things. And we also have a bunch of SMTI students. We get to take tests tomorrow night. Amen. We will get this thing all prayed up and settled up. And we'll all pass that with fly colors, won't we, Cindy? Amen. We will. We'll pass those tests. But God is not the one that tests you out there in life. The devil tries to test you to steal a word from you. And so I just want to warn you right now. And you know, I'll, I'll just say this. Pastor Dave taught a good this morning, didn't he? He said we're supposed to speak the truth in love. I'll speak the truth to you in love then. Some of you quit giving too much credit to the devil. I'm, here, I'm hearing too many testimonies, not necessarily tonight, but people bragging on what the devil's been trying to do to them all week. God's been trying to get you to use your mouth and your heart right all week to stop him from doing it. So quit talking about what he's been trying to do. It's okay to say, hey, you know what, i got to attack this week, but praise the Lord, word of God came out of my mouth, in my heart, in my mouth, and we stopped it quickly. So quit giving him too much credit. He's a defeated enemy. Amen. And so I said that to say this. Jesus warned us in three of the Gospels that Satan comes immediately to steal the word sown. What are we teaching about on Sunday nights? It's not a loaded question. I just got through saying prayer school. <laughs> and so what is Satan going to try to steal out of your life this week? Your prayer. Amen. He's going to come. And, you know, I like to say something. That I like to say it this way sometimes because the way the Lord showed it to me, too many times Christians get too distant to connect the dots. Things begin to happen in their life, and they think they're isolated to incidents, but when you connect the dots, particularly this area right now, there's going to be things, steal your time over here so you can't pray. 
Steal your tithe over here so you can't pray. Happens over here so you can't pray. Happens over here so you can't pray. And then all of a sudden, a month later, you realize, I haven't been to church on Sunday night for a month. They're teaching on prayer, and I haven't prayed for a month. I wonder what happened. Well, it started back here, and it started over here, and it started over here, and it started over here. And all of a sudden, you connect the dots, but then you already missed out on what God had for you. So right now, up front, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a test. And so you know the best way to pass a test? I know the students for SMTI, they have been telling me, they've been studying now for the last couple of weeks to pass these tests. And so in this prayer test, it might be smart to study for your prayer test on the things of life to get up 15 minutes early in the morning even. And that way, if you start the day off with prayer before you get out there, it can't be, well, I was planning on getting to it, but then the newspaper landed in front of me. Or all, all of a sudden, I don't know how it happened, but my iPhone was there. It was on Facebook. And I thought, wow, that's for me. Or I don't know what happened. This thing jumped out there and it said, new video game. Push this now. Well, before you turn the iPhone on, before you turn the computer on, just purpose to say, you know what I'm going to do today, Lord, to make sure I don't get preempted by all these distractions. The first thing I'm going to do, and see, so here's what, here's what overkill is what steals from so many Christians. What's overkill? That's the person who says, man, I'm going to pray for an hour today. I'm going to pray for an hour today. Man, if you haven't prayed for 15 minutes before, how do you think you're going to jump into an hour? Say, I'm going to pray for five minutes this morning. Start off somewhere that's doable. Start off somewhere. And buy yourself a little spiral notebook or something you can write in. And when you get up, write down what you're praying about. Write down a Bible verse you're looking at. Write down something in your journal. And what I've been doing for probably 35 years, I write down what I write in my journal. I did it this morning. I did it yesterday morning. I write down what time it is. I sit down in my chair with my coffee and my Bible. I write down 6.05 p.m., 6.07 p.m. I write down what I'm talking about. I write down verses. And then I get to my next page just the way I am. I write down. Now it's 6.18. So I realize, man, so that page, you know, for that many minutes like that, here's what's going on. I do that. I like to track myself. And then wherever I'm at, if I'm in Nicaragua, if I'm the Big Bear, if I'm in Florida, if I'm in my home, I write down where I'm sitting at because God usually talks to me when I'm praying. And I write stuff down like that. And then when I write down there where I was at, that that helps me remember when I see that a year from now or ten years from now where I was at. Matter of fact, I found some notes the other day. from I've got my notes my first prayer meeting at this church from back in August of 2005. found them a couple of days ago. I taught a lesson to the people who were here. I looked at those notes of that prayer lesson. But I do those things because I want to remember and I want to see things. Anyway, when you become a serious prayer, I mean, you know, uh, if you go to college, I don't think you try to remember everything. I think you probably, I know at SMTI we got outlines and notebooks and things we do because we want to remember what we learned and look at it again to help us. So if you're going to be a person of prayer and you want to be a serious student of prayer, then you ought to have a prayer notebook. And you ought to write things down. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I know about me. If God talks to me about my life, I don't take it lightly. I want to see it again. I want to remember it again. And I want to know what he said to me. 
because I like to win in life. And when God talks to you, it helps you win. Amen. And so uh, this book, these, these books are back there. A lot of you have them. A lot, of, a lot of things that have been imparted to me is in this book right here. These books are really great books, $10 books back there. And uh, anyway, I, I just recommend everybody get one of these books. If you don't have one, get one of these and start studying it. And it'll help get you saturated with the kind of things we're teaching now. Okay. Does anybody that doesn't have the money to have one of these want this book here? If somebody doesn't have the money and you want to really want to have the book you didn't have it, just hold up your hand I'll give this book to you. Everybody's got it good. We were obedient. Elise, did you hold up your hand? You didn't really want it, so I didn't see your hand. <laughs> Be bold. I kept one laying that down like a string was attached to it in my spirit. Just somebody needs that. Somebody needs that. Must be you. Amen. Amen. Just start saying my name's Jimmy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians 6, verse 18. And you notice this follows uh, putting on the armor of God. Everybody's pretty much familiar with the armor of God. If you're not, then you read, need to read these verses starting at verse 10. But we're not teaching about the armor of God, but the armor of God is getting you in a position to be a prayer person. And so, uh, and you know, I, was, I look back here, I see Jacob sitting up here. He's a, good, he's a good soldier for the United States Army, good soldier of Jesus Christ. But uh, how many know that if you're a soldier, it's nice to have weapons? But, let, you know, I, I love the Holy Ghost. You know, I think about this. The only thing I really much know about the military is when I go to some of the functions, you see them marching, man. They look good marching. But that's not why they get all dressed up and do the stuff they do. The marching part's good, but they get equipped with the weaponry, the protection, the helmets, and the vests, and all they do to fight. You know, it's, they look good, but for Christians, Christians talk about this arbor, arbor of God all the time. Well, the arbor of God gets us down to verse 18, because in verse 18 is where the battles take place. You get all you get all dressed up, not to brag and come walking into the church. I'm the righteous of God in Christ. Hallelujah. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm blessed coming in, and I'm blessed going out. That's right. Well, la di da. What do you do when you get on your knees where the battle's at? Can you get the devil off somebody? Can you get somebody delivered? Can you get somebody healed? Can you bring in ten thousand dollars if you need it? Can you get a marriage restored? Amen. Can you pray a car in for somebody so they'll have a car to get to work? You know, the battle is in the trenches. We get the armor of God on our breastplate of righteousness, our helmet of salvation, our feet shod the preparation of the gospel of peace, our loins girt about with truth, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. We get those things off as we go into our prayer closet. We say, okay, devil, I'm ready now. We bind you in the name of Jesus. You get off Johnny Kelly's money. In Jesus' name. Get off Leanne's money so that $9,000 check can come through. Amen. She's a tither, devil. You have no rights to hold her money back. Get off her in Jesus' name. You get dressed up for battle. Amen. And so verse 18 says, after you have your spiritual armor on, says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance for your family only. For your own little needs. For all saints. I, I want to tell you something. See, people that don't understand spiritual things, 
would say, how can you watch for all saints? I don't know all the saints. I don't, but when I'm praying for the Holy Spirit, he does. And I'll give you an example. We probably will get to the outline. If we do, we do. If we don't, we don't. I remember back in about 1983, 83, I was on the midnight shift of Mason-Dixon lines in Indianapolis, Indiana. And loading trucks at nighttime like that, there's not a lot of activity because the guys working back and forth doing trucks, we don't talk a lot, man, because you're just there at nighttime, man. You're kind of zombified. You're loading trucks. Hey, you don't just feel like doing a lot of talking. You're working loading trucks. But you can pray in the Spirit. You can pray in tongues real easy while you're working like that. And I remember all night long, the Lord kept having me pray for these people that I really didn't particularly like. But I was praying for them. All night long, all night long, I'd be praying the Spirit, loading trucks, just kept praying and praying. This going on for days and days and days and days. And when you're walking with the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit with the Spirit, when you're praying with Him, you're not really conscious of natural things. You become conscious of spiritual things. And when you're praying, the Holy Ghost gives you an unction to pray. That means gives you an anointing to pray. When you have the unction to pray, and you're praying, and you're praying, and you're praying, and you're praying, and say, Lord, what am I praying for? He keeps on telling these people names. And so you just don't think about it. Finally, after a season, I said, Lord, I said, I'd like to pray for my wife. You know, I said, I'd like to pray for her son. We, was, we got married in 1982. We were like newlyweds. I said, I'd like to pray for her son. Sometimes I can't. I said, I said why do why you got to pray for these people all the time? I don't even like them. <laughs> you know, like that. And you know what he said? This is as plain as could be. He said, your wife's okay. They're going to hell. You're the only one praying for them. Amen. Said, you're the only one in the whole world that's praying for those people. He said, pray for all saints. They weren't even saints yet. They were sinners. But I was praying all night long. I mean, you know, I'm just working, doing my job, doing my job okay. I know we're taking up freight orders, putting them on trucks, stacking boxes, and all that kind of stuff there, just praying in tongues. It doesn't take a lot of thinking, just load boxes. Do all that and just pray for these people. Keep on praying for these people. Then Satan, in the name of Jesus, take your hands off of them and let them go. Thank you, Holy Ghost, you're blessed them. Thank you for opening their eyes like that. And he told me, just real plain, God said, they're going to hell. Your wife's okay, she don't need prayer. They're going to hell. You're the only one praying for them. Does that help you understand that verse more? He says, watching. Watching. How do we know that Jesus said many times, watch and pray? Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Well, watching and praying is more than watching natural things. You know, there's a lot of people watching Fox News and CNN. It's tough right now. Not doing a lot of praying. They're watching and complaining. Jesus never said, watch the news and complain. He said, watch in the Spirit and pray. And so we get a lot of natural information about people's lives by watching things in the natural, but you don't get a lot of faith to pray for them that way. We need to begin... To do what he said, praying with all supplication in the Spirit and watching for all saints. And so he'll show us who to pray for, what to pray for, how to pray, etc. But anyway, for looking at different kinds of prayer we want to look at tonight, Amplified Bible says, pray with all manner of prayer. He says here, pray always with all prayer. Amplified says all manner of prayer. And there's another translation that says pray with all kinds of prayer. Different kinds of prayer. Good speed, a translation says use every prayer, every kind of prayer and entreaty 
At every opportunity, pray in the Spirit. At every opportunity, pray in the Spirit with all kinds of prayer. And uh, I want to quote Hosea 4.6. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. For lack of knowledge. That's why we're having prayer school. We want people to learn how to pray and learn how to pray effectively. And so what reason that believers have such a hard time with prayer because they've never studied the textbook. They've never studied the textbook. And you know, I've, I've heard this said before, life is an open book test. All you have to do is open the book. And then you can pass the test. And so anyway, uh, you know, I've used this example, but I want to use it again because you need to get a hold of this. Just like a good mechanic or carpenter or any other skilled craftsman has many different kinds of tools to practice their trade, as prayers, there's lots of tools. I think about a carpenter, and, you know, I, I don't know how other guys are, but I know how I am. My dad was always a mechanical-type person, did, did a lot of things in life, so my dad my dad uh, demonstrated a lot of different skills in front of me. Parts of my dad's life, he was a carpenter. He was always a good car mechanic. He was a truck driver. My dad worked in uh, heating and air conditioning for a season for companies. He did, you know, air conditioner stuff back then. Furnaces, I'd go with him on furnace calls, air conditioner calls. I watched my dad do a lot of things. So that's kind of with me over the years. So now that I'm a little older and got a lot of kids raised now and money's kind of freed up, I've got a garage I have a lot of awesome equipment in. And I'm thinking about looking at this prayer thing. In my garage, like for example, I was writing down some of these examples about different kinds of things that a carpenter uses. In my garage, I've got a hand sander. I've got a big tug belt sander thing. I've got several different kinds of sandpaper. And so what I'm saying is this. I've got lots of different kinds, even for the sand saws. Man, I must have 15 different kinds of saws now. Maybe more than that. I've got all kinds of power saws. I've got all kinds of different, especially hand saws. I've got all kinds of saws. And so all the stuff I've got there, I've got a lot of tools. And you know what? My, my skill saw won't do what my jigsaw will do. But then I've got a radial arm saw that does what no other saw will do. I've got a table saw. I've got several different kinds of hack saws, keyhole saws. <laughs> I've got little round saws that go to the drill. I've got so many kinds of saws, they all do a different job. I've got all kinds of different kinds of, of drills and drill bits. I even got my own drill press now. <laughs> and with my drill press, I have lots of little different drill attachments and things I haven't used yet. I've got a couple, a couple kinds of welders now. Don't ask me to weld because I don't know how to use them. But God, them, they look good. <laughs> but I'll learn. And so what I'm saying is this. A craftsman has lots of tools for different jobs that makes the job easier. And that's why he said here, different kinds of prayer. There's different kinds of prayer for different things we do. And when you're praying with the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit will show you which kind of tool to use, which kind of prayer to pull out, because different kinds of prayers do different things. You know, I, I was praying with somebody this morning and uh, praying, praying about some things in life, resisting some things. How do we know the Bible, would, when we're dealing with life, this helped a person this morning, and I think this will help you in dealing with life, dealing with you. And I love the way that Pastor Dave set this whole thing up, speaking the truth in love, so we can speak the truth to you in love to help you. That in life sometimes, every problem you have is not the devil. 
Sometimes the problem you have is a person looking back at you through that mirror. You look at the mirror sometimes, you find out who your enemy is. Amen. And so, James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. But then, Galatians chapter 5 talks about the works of the flesh. Get down verse 22, 23, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And then it says, crucify the flesh. Okay, so if the problem's with the devil, you don't crucify the devil, you bind the devil. But the problem's the flesh, you don't bind the flesh, you crucify the flesh. That means sometimes your temper... Your cussing, lying, addictions, in the devil, it's you because you're giving in to things. You've got to tell you. You've got to say, you, shut up. You're not going to fight me anymore. I've taken authority over you, flesh. I've taken authority over your emotions. Because if you're buying the devil all day long and it's you that's doing it, then you're, you're fighting the wrong enemy. But then sometimes, sometimes there are demons involved. You know, like, like, like Dave gave his testimony a while ago. That wasn't Dave wanting to think about those things or ugly stuff and stuff happened like that. That was a demon presence come into his house, tried to oppress him. So he could have tried, he could have all day long tried to get mad at himself and told himself to straighten up when there was a demon right there he had to deal with. And so we have to know by the Holy Spirit, sometimes it's demons, sometimes it's you. Amen. Amen. And so that's called walking, walking with God, walking with the Holy Ghost. And so, Auto mechanics have sockets. They have wrenches. They have power tools. You know, there's so many things that mechanics have now that I cannot imagine what they have now. Just a little bit of stuff I see. But the whole thing is, you know, I have known shade tree mechanics. We don't have any shade tree mechanics in our church. We've got real mechanics. But I've known shade tree mechanics that they thought everything was belly bar, gray tape, or a hammer. Anybody ever know anybody like that? If it's making a noise, just hit it. <laughs> and if it doesn't stop, get a bigger hammer. <laughs> and hit it. If it leaks, if it leaks, get some tape. Half the tape don't get it, put some wire around it. <laughs> like that. Well, there's more tools than gray tape, belly bar, and hammers. And when we begin to realize there's more prayers than my name's Jimmy. I'll take all you give me. Lord, bless my four no more. <laughs> you know, like we realize that that's not the prayer that gets the job done every time. We're going to be skilled then. When we're praying and the Holy Ghost tells us, you need to bind the devil. Then we bind the devil. That's one kind of prayer. Then the Holy Ghost tells us. Somebody said, oh, well, I'll go at least. Make sure we pray for that. Pray for that lady. She said, she said I want you to agree with me. Well, she said, reach into your toolbox and pull out a Matthew eighteen nineteen with an extension. Hey, man, with that reversible ratchet. What she said in Matthew eighteen nineteen, Brother Gary taught on it Wednesday night, if any two shall agree. Sometimes you have to pull out that prayer because you don't have the faith to get the job done. You need to get an agreement. That's not the prayer every time, because sometimes you need the prayer of consecration. We'll get to the Word to admit these things. We'll look at these different tools in our box. Sometimes it doesn't make any difference how much somebody agrees with you. If you don't pull out the prayer of consecration, you're not going to make it anyway, because all their faces are not going to override your flesh. You have to get that consecration. And then sometimes, sometimes it's the prayer of worship, where you don't need to ask him anything else. And, you know, it's kind of like this. 
you know, with modern things, I don't know sometimes if people don't know what some of these things are, but back when I was growing up, when you went to the grocery store, they had these scales, and they had this thing, and they had these, well, this is probably too much away over somebody's head, but you've probably seen them. Well, I know, I, I, I think I've seen some of the stuff they do that dope people use. Maybe some of you identify that. <laughs> I don't know. But they had these scales, had a little tray on both sides, and a needle in the metal. If you was getting five pounds of stuff, they had a five-pound weight over here, and you pour the flour in over here till they come up even like that. The gauge is right even like that. And so I heard an example one time that, that the Lord gave a lady that believed in God for healing that showed her a set of scales like that, that's way off like that. It said, it said, it said your, prayer, your prayer level is way up here, but your praise level is way down here. It said you need to quit asking and start praising, start worshiping. It's time to start getting into the prayer of worship and not asking anymore. And so that said, when, said when, your, when your praise level comes up to your faith level, then you'll get it. So the lady just shifted gears. Ended up just singing praise to God for two or three days. And whatever it was she needed, it manifested. Because she changed tools. There was another tool she needed to use called the worship tool. And how many have ever noticed that sometimes when you're praying about something, you actually start getting depressed because it's not happening. You just start praying and praying and praying and praying. And all it is is the Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. Gimme, 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 Jimmy, gimme, gimme, Jimmy, Jimmy. You just pray and pray and pray. And then all of a sudden you get depressed because it turns into complaining. But then you pull out that tool called worshiping. You just start thanking Jesus. And when you begin to praise Jesus and thank Jesus, all of a sudden, and you know something that, you know, this may be a revelation to somebody. But this has come to me several times this evening, so things are going to be a revelation to somebody. You're not looking for God to pour the Spirit down. The Spirit's in you. Paul said it this way, said, it's Christ in you. The hope of glory. And so as you begin to worship, something's not coming down, something's coming out. In John chapter 7, Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers, living waters. Says he's talking about the Holy Ghost in us. And so sometimes we just need to stir ourselves. We've already got it in us. We get into praise, it begins to show up. And once it comes out of us, it gets on us. And when it gets on us, you start seeing answers. Hey, hallelujah, I know i got some good notes here. As anyway, you want to be a skilled craftsman in prayer, you need to know as much as you can about the many different kinds of prayer and how to be led by the Holy Spirit as to what kind of prayer to use for the particular prayer assignment that you're currently working on. Somebody said, what do you mean the particular prayer assignment that I'm currently working on? I'm working on my four no more. I pray for my family is all I pray about. That's all I know to pray about. Well, let me tell you this. You get your eyes off of your family and pray for somebody else's family and your family will be taken care of. Somebody said, I never heard that before. <laughs> That's why Jesus led you to prayer school. He wants you to find out that old rusty toolbox you got, that old pair of pliers in it, and that old broken screwdriver, <laughs> Amen. and those vice grips that are full of rust you can't even open. There's more tools out there you can use. Somebody said, what's he talking about vice grips? 
Well, you'll wake up about this time tomorrow morning and say, oh, I know now. He was equating that to prayer. <laughs> okay, moving right along. He said, praying in the Spirit. So it's praying in the Spirit and praying with the Spirit's help. Praying in the Spirit and praying with the Spirit. You can't make the Holy Spirit do anything. So instead of trying to use the Spirit, let the Spirit use you. You know, I think about, I think about, I don't know how else to say it except what I've seen. I've seen so many people praying that what they think is praying, well, all they do is try to give God, the Creator, orders. Said, oh, God, do this. Oh, God, do that. Oh, God, do this. Oh, God, do that. God don't have to do anything. But when we begin to walk with Him and let Him use us, He'll use our words to speak to circumstances. And His Spirit through us, in the name of Jesus, will, say, will change circumstances. Yeah, God will be doing it. But it's not we're getting him orders to do it. He's using us and telling us what he wants us to say to change things. Amen. Is this helping anybody? Praying in the Spirit and praying with the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit show you what your assignments are. I cannot tell you how many times I've wanted to pray one direction. The Holy Spirit leads me another direction. Because he's got somebody else praying for that one. Already covered that one last week and it's done. But this is what he wants to do this week on this assignment. You know, I think about tomorrow night. Cindy, uh, aren't you glad they gave us that little study guide thing to tell us, let us know what areas are going to be given the test in? What good does it do if I'm showing up for a science final? That's a history final. All I've studied is history. I say, well, man, I can tell you, I can tell you, you fought the Civil War. So we don't want to know that. What's two times two? <laughs> I thought, I don't know. I didn't study that lately. Well, in our assignments in life, God knows what's going on in your family, other families, in your church, in your nation, in your city, on your job. He knows in advance what's happening. He knows what he wants you to cover what's happening. So when we pray with the Spirit, the Spirit tells us what to cover. And we cover what he wants us to cover, that things are taken care of. Amen. So that's what we're talking about, praying with the Spirit. And, and so these different kinds of prayer, they tell you what tool to pull out. And, uh, you know, uh, because the Holy Spirit wants to make us the real this tool thing, you know, I've I got, I got, I got to tell you this again so you get it. I think about, you know, I still think about, about Joe Mumford a few weeks ago. He helped us put an engine in a car. And it put that engine in the car... I don't know. I've never, I've never really done one that watched that much happen and something like that. But there's so much involved there, and so many handy little tools and gadgets there are in today's time you can get to get your hand up those little places, have the little things go there, do different little jobs and things like that. If you have that box full of tools and don't know how to use those tools, they're useless to you anyway, and it makes your job so rough. If you don't know what tool to use and you don't have the tools, don't even know they exist. And you think, man, I wish somebody had invent that. Well, I found out in modern times it's probably been invented if it comes to tools because they've got them. Well, it's just like the prayer thing. When you come to something like we're teaching on Sunday nights here, you start finding out about those tools. You'd be like us looking at a skilled mechanic think, wow, wow, do you see that when he pulled out? Well, I want one of those. I want one. Well, I want to use that. 
It's just like somebody coming in a church like this and you hear testimonies like we hear and say, man, I wish I could pray like that for somebody like that. Well, I've studied it for 36 years. I've learned under the best for all these years. And so just like a mechanic has said under people, had lots of experience of what they've done, that's how they can do what they do. You come at a place like this, before too long, you'll be able to bind the devil and know he got off somebody. You'll be able to pray the prayer of faith. That's another prayer. I know that you got your answer before it happened. You'll be able to know it happened before it happened. And people look at you and they'll say, well, what are you? You still kind of a prophet or something? No, I'm just a Christian that knows the word of God. And I've learned I use the name of Jesus. I pray the word of God. That happens to me. I'm just an everyday believer. I belong to Jesus every day. Well, did, did you watch the latest goofy, goofy, goofy thing last night? I don't even know what the goofy, goofy thing is last night. I, I, I spent last night with Jesus. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have fun doing this. And so uh, I want to look at some different kinds of prayers. Look at uh, James chapter 5, verse 14. This is one kind of prayer. This is one tool. James chapter 5, verse 14 and verse 15, said this. And I want, I, want to, I want to say it this way. The Holy Spirit said through James, you know, I want you to become spirit conscious. How many know that the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit inspired these men to write these words? And how many know that the Holy Spirit's God? And so I like to say it this way. You know, we say a lot of times Paul said, James said, or Peter said, but the Holy Spirit said through them. And so they wrote down what he said. You know, it's just like tonight that uh, we're not writing new Bible, but God sometimes gives us prophecies and gives us things to say. So, I mean, to me it would be like tonight that the Holy Spirit through the pastor said he's raised up skilled, skilled prayers. You know, the example he gave me about that at Sears Automotive Center years ago to bring it into the church today that comes through here, and you're thinking, oh, I have such a heart for the homeless. Oh, I've got such a heart for the homeless. I hope when these prayer groups start, the pastor lets me be in the homeless prayer group. Oh, I want to pray for the homeless. And somebody else thinking, well, that's okay. They deserve it, but I want to pray for the government. And you think, well, the government, who would ever pray for the government? i got a heart for the homeless. Well, see, wherever your heart is, God put it there. And so you're thinking, well, when the pastor talked about what he saw come through the door there, I see my area, I'm going to be over, I'm going to be praying for the unwed mothers and their children. Oh, they need help. Somebody's got to love them and not judge them. Somebody's been praying for these mothers and their babies. Amen? Somebody said, well, I want to pray for the missions. Missionaries, everything involves around missionaries. I tell you, you don't have the missionaries, you don't have anything. Well, good, we've got a group for you. Amen. Amen. James 5, 14, 15. They sick among you. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. There's our praying over him. Anoint him with all in the name of the Lord and pray it any way you want to. What's it say? What kind of prayer? The prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick or heal the sick. The prayer of faith will heal the sick and the Lord shall raise them up and commit his sins. They shall be forgiven him. And so the prayer of faith is probably the ones that most Christians are familiar with, but it's not the only prayer in your spiritual toolbox. The prayer of faith, specifically called the prayer of faith. 
And so the prayer of faith, to me, obviously, because I'm a skilled craftsman, a skilled craftsman in the area of prayer, has to be a Romans 10:17 prayer. What's Romans 10:17 says? Everybody quote it together. You're ready. So then. <laughs> Let's quote Romans 10:17 together. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When I was about probably six or seven years old, boy, we're going all the way back here, Lord. Now, My dad gave me one of the biggest mistakes ever made. Boy, oh boy, I remember that day that mom come home and found out what I was doing with it. Oh, ow. <laughs> My dad, for Christmas, gave us boys, three of us boys, a handy, called Handy Andy Toolkit. They have those out here in California, Dave, Handy Andy's. Little old toolbox, handy andy toolkit, had a little saw in it. What a mistake. Had a hammer in it, had a pair of pliers. Romans ten seventeen is handy andy days, guys. That's basic scripture. You gotta know that one. Romans ten seventeen is that's where you start off with. That's your handy andy toolkit. You've got to know Romans ten seventeen. Faith cometh by hearing, here by the word of God. Up I'll just give this one story, then I'll go because I told that part because my bottom side started hurting again. <laughs> my dad and Bob were gone, and they came home, had our handy-handy toolkit, and my mom had this fancy little vanity, the little old fancy vanities they used to have. I guess they still do. Little old mirror, little old thing, makeup table, mirror, little fancy drawer you pull it, and a nice little wooden bench. Oh, dumb, dumb, dumb. I was six or seven years old, and I wanted something to saw on. So mom came home right when I got the first leg off. I didn't get a second leg. Wow, wow, wow. My mom wasn't sanctified yet. And my mom didn't know how to whip a little bit. Whipped a lot. And there's some handy-handy toolkits with the trash. <laughs> Do you know that there are prayers that aren't skilled that don't know how to use their prayer kit yet? They want to go around rebuking Christians who are supposed to be rebuking the devil because they want to rebuke something. They want to saw off something. They want to hit something. They just want to hit something. Mike, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. That thing come out of Mike. <laughs> Mike got no devil. Man, go out there in the street, you want to rebuke some devil, come to the church, rebuking the devil, how the holy men and women of God sit in the church. I remember, I remember, where was we at? I, don't, I can't remember if it was this church or back in Indiana. How many know they got flakes everywhere? I remember, I can't remember if it was this, that there was this real, real, real holy family that had about three or four beautiful little girl, Christian girls. Was it Indiana? I can't remember who the people... Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember who those nuts were now. Well, they, they, they got a... They, you know, all, all, all the nutty people are just in California. Indiana's got their share, too. Got this homeschool family that was a really good family. Didn't really go to church anywhere. They're kind of isolationists. You know, they studied the Bible and did that. And we worked on them for some time. Finally got them to come to our church. 
So we got this woman, heard the little girls and nothing but, I mean, really, really, really holy, righteous people. And finally give into our church and we got these nutty people that, uh, you know, you can't stop nuts from coming to your church. You want to help nuts. That's why we're here is to help people. And so we got these goofy people that think they're God's gift to man. And they always tried to work on the ones they thought were weaker. So we finally get this family to come in. And I'm preaching. I'm looking back there. And this weirdo comes snaking like a snake through the seats there. And got this woman sitting there. And she, I guess they must have been hurt in church somewhere. They didn't come. And here got these little girls here that, I mean, they never heard a cuss word probably. Probably never seen a cigarette, anything. And this little kid's behind her. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Come out of here like this. Oh, man. You know what that is? That's the equivalent of getting the saw and trying to saw up mom's vanity. Because the guy didn't know how to use the tools. You know, thought, I'm going to saw something. So picks probably the most cleanest, purest, holiest little girl in the whole church. Works on her. I wonder why that family never come back to my church. Guys, if you're starting to get fired up for Jesus, make sure you use your tools on the right assignment at the right time. Amen. Don't you love these Holy Ghost examples? None of it's, none of it's in the notes that I start saying, but I don't know where they're going to end up at. Just start telling them. So anyway, for your handy-handy toolkit, let's everybody say Romans ten seventeen together. So then, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So would you say if you're going to pray the prayer of faith, you ought to have some Word in you? And so we're talking about how to use your tools. The prayer of faith is based upon the Word of God. The prayer of faith is always based upon God's revealed will in the Scriptures. God's revealed will. And, you know, uh, because we're talking about this prayer of faith, this one kind of tool, I want to hit a couple more things that aren't in your notes or add some things to this while I go some verses just to get a hold of. Look at John 15, verse 7 and 8, if you're going to pray the prayer of faith. John 15 Verse 7 and verse 8. And, you know, I, I, I think I've got some things printed out, some things written. But I just want to say this. The prayer of faith isn't the only prayer. But every prayer needs to be prayed in faith. But it's not the only kind of prayer. There's more in your toolbox than a saw. Your toolbox than a saw, more than a hammer. There's more in your spiritual toolbox as you learn what you have than the prayer of faith. Because it is a very important tool. You need to know how to use it. John 15, verse 7 and verse 8. If you abide in me, that means to be born again, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. Isn't that prayer? Prayer is asking, isn't it? That's the prayer of faith. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. It shall be done unto you. That's faith. That's faith. The prayer of faith shall heal the sick. Well, the revealed will of God is he wants the sick healed. And so when you pray for the sick, it's not the prayer of doubt. There is no prayer of doubt. A lot of of people doubt when they pray is why they never get anything. But the prayer of faith cometh by hearing. Hear by the word of God. Jesus said, if my words abide in you. You know, I, I like to say it this way. He said, if you abide in me. And they said, my words bind you. He didn't say, if you abide in me, ask what you will shall be done unto you. He had something in there. He had a clause. And my words abide in you. If all we had to do was abide in him, be born again, ask what you'll be done unto you, there'd never be an unanswered prayer. 
All you have to do is say, I'm born again, and I ask what I will, and it's done unto me. That's not what Jesus said. Matter of fact, Pastor Dave's teaching Sunday morning things that Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't say, if you abide in me, ask what you will to be done unto you. He said, if you abide in me, and my words live in you. That's the prayer of faith, where the word becomes a part of you. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. You don't think about it. It just comes out. When somebody comes into my prayer line, the reason people get healed in my prayer line all the time is as long as they don't have a blockage. If they, have to, if they have a blockage, we have to work with them to get it out. What's a blockage? It's because they went to some religious institution for years that told them that God might not want to heal them. Because they've been told that God's holding their past against them because of their past, He can't heal them. Or because they've abused their bodies, because they've abused their bodies, God can't heal them. Case and example. How, how, many love, how many love just to keep on flowing like this and be able to hear things? Case and example. Would you say that you're abusing your body if you're an L.A. gangster and you've been to six different shoots out, shootouts and you've got scars in your body where your body's messed up? Would you say that was something you helped bring on? Amen. Well, you know, in our church, I don't know if you know it or not, but everybody in here didn't come from a holy, holy, holy background. We've got some people in our church that have been addicts. We've got some people in our church that have been mean to other people and got hurt over it. Well, we've got a guy in our church, he's not here tonight. Jesse, he gave his testimony so I, I can talk about it. How many know Jesse Montenegro and Jenny? Well, if he had a blockage, if I hadn't taught him the Word of God, he could have never got what he got a few months ago. Jackie, Jesse was a Mexican mafia, L.A. gangster, really mean bad guy. He shot people. People shot him. He's been to prison. All, I mean, really, really, really bad stuff that most of us don't know anything about. And maybe some of you know about it. You just don't brag about it. <laughs> but anyway, Jesse likes to play on our church softball team. And in the men's league, he likes to play ball. But he's been shot so many times that I call him Swiss cheese. He'd been shot so many times that on the inside of him, he had muscles locked together because when they took bullets out, they didn't do whatever they could do if they could do it. And stuff grew together. So when he ran, he couldn't really run far, run good because all the stuff on the inside would get to moving so much, it hurt him bad running, so maybe get a double. But boy, then it was because he's messed up too bad to do it. So I taught a strong healing message on a Wednesday night a few months ago, and I told him, I said, hey, it doesn't make any difference how it happened, Jesus wants you healed. I said, you may have caused it, you may have abused your body, devil may just attack you, it may be hereditary, it doesn't make any difference what it is, and multiple scriptures I went over, is that Jesus wants you healed. Well, once you've done that, faith is in the atmosphere, and you can pray the prayer of faith, because faith is based upon the revealed will of God. We just saw James 5.14, if you're sick, call for the elders of the church. Said the elders, they anoint you, they pray the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. Not, if it be God's will, no, shall heal the sick. God's word is God's will, he told you, shall heal the sick. So Jesse comes up here, standing right over here, said, Pastor, I've been shot all these multiple times. Said my insides are all grown together. And said my insides won't work right because muscle tissues grow together, scar tissue. Said, et cetera, et cetera. I said, okay, Jesse. 
so I'm going to lay hands on you. And when are you going to get healed? Because I just got through teaching, man. When I touch you, God's moving. He said, Pastor, as soon as your hands touch me, he said, God's going to heal me. I said, okay. So I prayed the simple little prayer of faith. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Your word says that's the prayer of faith. I said, Satan, in the name of Jesus, take your hands off his body. Lord, I want to thank you right now. You said lay hands on him. The anointing God's flowing, and you're making it right. Thank you in the name of Jesus. This tissue is being healed. Muscles are freed. Things are coming together. And so Jesse walked back there, and I'm just up here saying, next, and probably some little kick him up there. Pastor, I got a boo-boo. Well, guess what? He heals boo-boo just like he heals bullet wounds. He don't care what it is. He heals it. Did you ever think about this? The same anointing of God that heals your little belly ache is the same anointing that heals cancer. The anointing is anointing. God doesn't say, well, I got one kind of anointing for this. Well, this church don't have cancer anointing. All this church has got boo-boo anointing. No, he'll heal the boo-boo, but he'll heal the cancer too. So anyway, Jesse goes back to his seat and uh, was at a ball game. I think it was two weeks later, and it wasn't a church ball game. It was a thug ball game. I mean, the adult softball league. <laughs> so we're sitting there, and I don't know if you remember those adult games. They got some bad-looking dudes there. I mean, bad. They got some bad-looking dudes there. So we're in the bleachers, and Jesse got a hit. And uh, he, gets, he gets to third base. I think he got to a single or something. Somebody got hit. Anyway, he, he rounded everything, home plate. And we got the home plate. He didn't stop. He ran up to the bleachers. Pastor, pastor, pastor. He said, I'm healed. It's all good. I'm healed. I can run. And so, and so, then he told the testimony in church. He said, when I laid hands on him that Wednesday night, as he walked back to his church back there, he said, I kind of start... he said, something on the inside was jerking the muscles. Right? He felt it as he walked back. He said, things started getting into place. And then he said, he, then he said, he said, Lord, I can't wait to get to the game to test it. He said, I know that'll be the test. When I get to the game, I'll test it. So we got to the game. He did that. So what am I saying? I'm saying we pulled that tool out of our toolbox called the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith healed the sick. The prayer of faith will heal the sick every time. But you don't need the prayer of faith when you're doing Another kind of praying, okay? Everybody's waking up for one more tool. Maybe we'll look at one more. Have one is going to go to, but we'll look at another one. Write, write this verse down. Write this verse down. Uh, anyway, First uh, John five fourteen and 15. That goes with the prayer of faith. Talk about the confidence you have in the prayer of faith. I see you got another blank here. We'll, we'll give you these two blanks, then we'll move on. The prayer of faith can also be called the prayer of petition, or the prayer that changes things. The prayer will change things. The prayer petition. And of course you can mark down uh, for your notes. Mark 11, 22 to 24. And that's part of your handy handy toolbox too, by the way. Mark 11, verse 22 to 24. Goes wrong with your Romans 10, 17. And somebody said, well what is this? Well, talk, talk to Dave. McNeil, talk, talk to Joe Mumford, talk to one of the mechanics, they'll tell you that 3 8 extension goes with that 3 8 socket, goes with that 3 8 drive. They work together, hand in hand. The prayer of faith, Romans, Romans 10, 17, Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24, work, work, work with the James 5, 14, and 15. Somebody said, well, what's all that? That's all four to me. I never heard all this before. 
Wait till you look at a real mechanic's toolbox and see what you see about you like a kid at the candy store. Like, wow, I didn't know they had all this stuff. Well, I hope tonight the things that I'm saying aren't making me look super spiritual, but I hope what they do is making you be super hungry. And I hope that you're, hope you're starting to kind of spiritually drool at the mouth saying, man, I want those tools. I want those tools. Man, I'm going to go down to the Sears store. I'm going to go to Home Depot. I'm going to, man, I'm going to find those. I can't wait till those are on sale. These aren't on sale. They're free. Amen. You can get these anytime you want to. Anyway, I, I want to look at this, this, uh, really, really quick. I want to look at this other prayer. Uh, look at Luke chapter 22. And I'll say this, the prayer of faith never has an if in it. Because when it's the Word of God, you don't have to doubt what God wants to do. You know what He wants to do. You know, I think about, uh, well, 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 Dave, for example. That, that, was, that, that, that was a version of the prayer of faith when he said, Lord, you said you rebuked the devourer for me. You said it, Lord. That's faith in the Word of God. That is the prayer of faith. Because when he said that, that honey, that anointing came down from heaven and absolutely delivered him and set him free from that thing the devil was doing. That's what the prayer of faith does. It says, God, your word says, and I know this is what you're going to do. When Jesse was up there, I said, Lord, your word says. And so I think in the name of Jesus, this is what's happening right now. That's the prayer of faith. There's no if it be your will. There's no doubts in it. So here in Luke chapter 22 Verse 41 and 42, and pretty much most Christians are familiar with this. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, getting ready to go to Calvary, says this. He was withdrawn for them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed. Sometimes we stand praying. Sometimes we kneel praying. Sometimes we sit praying. You know, it doesn't make any difference what your position is. But, uh, you know, the main thing is praying, but... Sometimes we need to be kneeling and praying as says this, Father, if thou, if thou be willing, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That's called the prayer of consecration. The prayer of consecration. And that simply means you're consecrated and dedicated yourself to yield your life to God. I'm willing to go there, Lord. I'm willing to take that job if you want. Lord, I know I'm much more qualified than natural. But if you want me to take that job, I'll take that job. Because there's somebody on that job God wants to connect you with that needs what you've got. You're the only one he finds that's available. Or, okay, Lord, I was saving that money for such and such. But Lord, that missionary needs it. That family needs it. The church needs it for that project. Nevertheless, not my will, thy will be done. Lord, I'm willing. That's the prayer of consecration. It's if it be thy will. See, that's one tool. It's not the only tool. When you're praying for somebody to be healed, it's never if it be thy will. That's the wrong tool. That's the prayer of faith tool. The prayer of consecration is, uh, we've been pastoring for about a year, started Pastoring back in 1992, we had some false starts before, but the real one really started in 1992. But in 1992, started pastoring. So come October 1993, I'd been in Teamsters for a lot of years. If I got another 10 years in, I had a full pension coming. Our church was doing really well. God really began to deal with me. 
I want a full-time pastor of that church, and you're him. And I said, Lord, I've been broke before. I'm sure glad to have this job. I don't want to be broke anymore. I want to feed my family. I want to take care of my family. And he really dealt with me. And I, and I told him, I honestly told him, our church had about 100 people then. Really, really, really going full-blown, a really good church. I said, Lord, send somebody else in. They can have it. I said, I want to work to take care of my family. I said, well, if you don't want to do that, let me just put a sign on the door. Then I'll just, and I've been serious. I said, I'll put the sign on the door, going fishing. Because I didn't want to walk away from that job. I wanted to keep the job. I was totally sold out to God, but I had false starts before where I missed God. So I still equated. You know, if you ever been hurt by something, man, you don't want to go back and get hurt again. I did not want to be broke again. I don't want to go back to driving old junk cars again. I don't want to be having to pray every day just to have food for my family, be able to pay the house payment, and those kind of things. And so this was that time. I said, Lord, you know, I really like preaching, but I like feeding my family more. And I got ten more years to go on this pitch, and I got the full pitching. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And so I turned in my resignation and left that job. I've been to the church. God's taken care of us ever since. But how many know this? You know, I want to tell you something. This is just maybe going to help somebody. Too many of you are praying. Well, Lord, if you want it, make it happen. No, you've got your will. Sometimes you're the ones. You have to do something yourself because that's called faith. When you do it yourself, then that's called faith and obedience. You've got to do it. Oh, God, open this door. Close that door. God says, I've already got it open, but you've got to walk through it. If you don't walk through it, you're not going to get it. And then you sit back and say, somebody told me after our church was gone a little over a year, well, you're an overnight success. I said, man, it was a long night. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we had to do it. And so that's, that's one example of that prayer of consecration. That's a tool you need to use. You know, that's a not all the time thing you need to use. You need to know it's in the toolbox there. You need to know where it's at to pull it up. You've got to do it. And then another thing. I lived in Indiana 54 years. All my roots, all my family, all my security was in Indiana. I mean, it's in Christ, we know that. But all my natural stuff is Indiana. All my relatives, all my family, all my friends, everything I had. 54 years, that's a long time. And then I started hearing the Beverly Hillbilly song. <laughs> Said California is the place you ought to be. So they loaded up the truck and they moved to Barstow. <laughs> and so, once again, here we are, Indiana. And there's an old song, it's crying time again. And so it's that prayer of consecration. I had to reach back in the toolbox. Lord, and my wife with me, not our will, but thy will be done. We're willing to go to California if you want us to, Lord. We will go. And so we did that prayer of consecration, and then we had to burn our bridges behind us, packed up the truck, load everything on Pisky we could, everything we couldn't do. We let all the people go back there, neighbors, family, friends, hey, man, we still got a bunch of stuff over here. Anybody wants it, come and get it. It's here. Just come and get it because we're out of here. We're gone. And so I said that as we're closing to the different kinds of prayer. That every prayer is not give me, give me, give me. Sometimes you got to say, in the name of Jesus, Father, we just want to thank you that your word says, 
that has taken place. That's the prayer of faith. No if there. But then when it comes down to things that's not written in the Bible, I never found a verse that said, Bertie Sample shall quit Teamsters and walk away from all that security he had for that pitch that he was going to get. All I saw was Jesus said, drop your nets and follow me. I never saw anything in there that said, Sample's family is going to make everybody in Indiana get really ticked because they're going to go to California and they're going to say, you don't love us anymore. So we packed it up, came to California. You're not going to find the personal, precise will of God for your career, your life, your family written in those pages. He's going to put it in your heart as you read those pages. Then when he does, you've got to reach down to your toolbox. You've got to say, oh, yeah, the pastor showed me about this wonderful tool called the prayer of consecration. Jesus used it. Our pastors used it. If Jesus and our pastor can use it, I can use it. God's really dealing with me about giving this money. God's dealing with me about going to this place. God's dealing with me about going back to school. God's dealing with me about whatever it is, and you don't really want to with your flesh, but your heart says, I'm going to be willing to. So you say, I'm pulling out that tool. I'm on my knees like Jesus kneeled and prayed. Father, I know this you deal with my heart. And Lord, if it's possible, move this cup for me. But if not, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And then just go with what God has you to do and you'll do it. That's a wonderful tool to know about, a wonderful tool to use. And I'll tell you what, any tool is a good tool when it's the right tool for the right job. Amen. Let's stand up.